This is Banging on the Drum. It is another beautiful day in West Central Wisconsin, and welcome into Season 2, Episode 51 of Banging on the Drum. I am your host, P-Dog, stationed in Tallahassee, Florida, joined alongside my co-host, M-Dog, in actual West Central Wisconsin. So we're going to go up to you and we're going to see how things are going in West Central Wisconsin. Yeah, so uh, only okay for me this week. Um, I feel like I've had some pretty some pretty bad unders. Maybe if you were listening way back in the day, like I had a few that were like pretty devastating. Like, But I've had the worst week of my life. Uh, my sister passed away on Sunday made it pretty tough right so gonna try to get back into this we're gonna go over some sports stuff and kind of work on moving forward so but yeah no i couldn't even imagine what you're going through right now and we we did kick this around a little bit like should we even do something or but i do think Maybe we'll get into a little bit uh, all of a sudden. I, I mean, I don't know how you feel, but maybe a sense of like somewhat of normalcy. So I, I was going to let let you decide whatever we want to do. Our 10, our 10 fans out there, I don't think would, would look at it any other way because um, that has to be the roughest week of pretty much anybody's life. Like, I, I've been thinking about you and your family all week, and my heart absolutely just hurts for you guys so much. So I, I can't imagine what you're going through. And, and I mean, I'll, I'll let you get, get back on track here. But, but like I said, I understanding of – whatever you want to do is what how we're going to work so yeah and so it's like like i said it's a tough week um very hard um so we there probably will not be a video due to the fact that i won't be on top of it and um but like you could probably tell that i'm still emotional about it and i appreciate what everybody's saying like i thank you for everybody like reaching out and like having kind words for me. It helps uh, to some extent. Um, I don't know if it'll change the way I feel about how things are going. Um, I will get into a little bit about like just like a quick recap on kind of things that happen. Like, so Thursday and Friday, like she's doing well, she's healthy Saturday. Her daughter goes to prom and like, she's up like, prepping food for him and stuff. And then um, late or she's up on Saturday night, prepping food for him for when they get back to her house. And then Sunday, um, she is not feeling well. She calls my parents. 
she ends up going into the hospital or yeah, into the hospital with her husband. And then like, by like, I don't even know what time for sure, but like five, six o'clock she had passed away. And so pretty unexpected. Like she took my son to the library on Friday, no issues. Like, so she's like watching two, a three and a four year old little boy, right? Like run around and like, she's handling that just fine. And so just really surprising for me, you know, something very unexpected. And then I uh, like she, she did have cancer for kind of a long time and um, was battling with that, but it didn't feel like a cancer death. Right. So that plays into it. Her immune system was probably not as good as like mine or yours, but plays into it. And so, just no very tough week right yeah way too way too young for anything for you for her kids for your parents yep. for the whole family so just oh yeah. man i yeah i don't ever even know what to say which i was thinking to myself because i'm always thinking about myself apparently yeah uh that that it's probably a good thing that if you don't know what to say to somebody in a situation like this, but I, like you said, what, what can somebody say to you? That's going to make you feel. Like I like, said, I appreciate everybody, what everybody says to me, like whatever it is. Right. Um, I don't think anybody's tried to say something mean, I guess that I would not. <laughs> but, uh, someone out there. there. There's probably people that are like, you deserve it. You, fucking piece of shit but um uh that's definitely not the, nobody has said anything like that to me and i appreciate what you're saying but i don't know that it like honestly it'll change the way i feel right and like there's other people who have dealt with similar situations or worse situations or like situations that are just as difficult right um and maybe they had something that helped them but i, I would say please actually if you if you're thinking about me i'd love it if you reached out like but i'm still gonna be sad either way yeah no and i i couldn't imagine there being too too many tougher things than this like obviously the the kids and and stuff like that probably yep. are gonna have yep. Oh, yeah, like a rougher story. But like I said, I'm gonna let I'll let you you keep going because I yeah. I don't even know what what to, could what could someone say? Yeah. So I think like after like that little back and forth there that we had, I think we'll try to move on a little bit. Um, my over does have a little bit to do with that, and um, looking through pictures like because we're doing pictures and trying to find stuff for boards and things like that. Um, I found a lot of cool pictures for one, like, you know, like you get to relive that piece of it quite a bit, which is pretty cool. Picking people for touching your Ninja Turtles and shit. Yeah. We didn't get into the videos, <laughs> uh, but that's my younger <laughs> sister. I didn't kick my older yeah. sister. She was too, she would have like more than likely, like prayed for me or something like that if I had kicked her instead of whining <laughs> to my parents. So uh 
but like so i go through find the pictures and stuff we got to dig through all our like memorable not memorable but like all of our like picture boxes and everything that we saved and so uh my wife has bought me mini helmets for both brett Favre and aaron Rodgers, assigned mini helmets and and i found those I think today. So the week's all running together. I think it was this morning. So I'll probably actually get those out and like have them like hanging around my house or something. Get them out. Like not just shoved in some box under some bed. And then I you also can... found like a thing from Pat and I's past. I found NCAA 2013 sitting in a box upstairs in my house. And so, oh. Do you still have a PS3? And trying to play. I have a PS3, but I don't think I can. I don't think it runs anymore. It just sits. It's a decoration of paperweight at this point. Save that thing because there's something about PS3s. Get off topic here, but like that's special. I I don't know what it is. Like it's something like their processing system. Like that when you upgraded the PS4, you got ripped off. Like PS3, I think that's going to be one of those systems that stands the test of time like when people look at like the best systems of all time like looking back through history like it was ahead of its time yeah so like would be like the 360 really kind of changed the game on like what systems were right i think that era of it because i think the 360 competed with the ps3 or whatever ps3 competed with the 360 like those those ones but butt heads together but there's something about that. And then just that it still had NCAA. Like you can get the NCAA basketball game for it. When the pandemic hit, I was looking to get one because I was like, oh, I miss playing that. And they were going for like $900. Like, like a, a, the basketball game? No, the PS3 with the NCAA football oh, okay. game was going for that much. So I just ended up getting a PS4 with MLB the show for cheaper than a PS3. So like there's something about the system. Yeah. Yeah. So I do have my system. It just sits underneath my TV and I haven't used it in a few years. Um, but yeah, I found like found that. And there's a few other games in there. Should bust it out. I I don't know if I have controllers left or nothing, but <laughs> you know, yeah, I got a system because there's some things I hoard and some things that I don't. So nice all right how'd your week go yeah mine is definitely a lot tamer than yours so my my stuff feels pretty petty so if i had to do my under yeah no my under um so maybe i'll do my over first year so i'm done with school for the year and you you think like okay now i'm good i'm coasting i'm gonna be on orders for the majority of the summer i got a pretty good place set up like where i'm gonna be overs or where i'm gonna be on orders which is all good overs three bedroom apartment so if the family's looking for a florida trip i got you um right. but but yeah then, for the two not like on the coast or nothing no it's gonna be on the coast I mean, the oh. Gulf Coast. So it's Google Destin. It's like. Uh, oh, so you're going to be back there. Then. Yeah, yeah. I'll be back to where I was last summer, but I'll have a better place this time around. Um, 
But yeah, so I, I get done with everything and then my wife puts me to work making our guest room. So I put together a desk so far, a bed frame, and then like a dresser and stuff. So I've been busy doing that, but it's, it honestly hasn't even been that bad. I, everything that I'm putting together, I've put together something similar. And we got it from Wayfair. Yeah. Their directions are 10 times better than IKEA. Like, I I don't get... Uh, is it IKEA or is it Kia? I think it's IKEA. IKEA. That's what okay. I've always heard, but I don't know. So. Yeah, but... So it's been pretty easy. But, but yeah, that's all I got. So done with school and then still working. Just hadn't put my guest room together. All right. So good deal. So done with school, no summer classes. You're not doing anything online while you're depo- or, uh, on orders. No, I'm probably going to start, probably going to try to stay sharp in my Portuguese and math. Um, I guess the ultimate under is I just completely bombed my calc final. And I took myself from like a high B to a mid C just with that. Yeah, no, it it was, it was definitely a uh, complacency kill situation where I was like, I got an 88 in this class. So like, yeah, (laughs) like I'm sitting good. Like I've been letting the math talk all year. So I studied like a little bit, but like, I was like, I've been pretty good when I'm just like dancing on my toes, doing the math. Like, I'm like, Oh, I've been figuring it out. Even if I don't know it, like I know these rules and I can figure it out, but I got in there. I sat down for the test and like, it would just slap me in the face. I was forgetting everything that I thought like I had locked in. It, it was stupid. It was, it was a lesson learned. So I'll, I'll take that away from it. But that's all I got. Let's move into this because we've had a pretty eventful week, obviously, outside and inside the sports world. Uh, so we had the Packers draft. I'll just give a little rundown what we're going to do. So we're going to do the Packers stuff. We're going to do the Bucks stuff. We're going to do a little bit of the Brewers stuff. Not fully locked into them yet. Um, racing news. We got some exciting racing news. And then maybe we'll throw something on at the end of the show. But I think I think we got a pretty action-packed sports section. So let's, let's get into the Packers draft. And I think I'm going to start out just going over who we picked i always say i'm going to do stuff fast and i never end up doing it fast what what do you think mike let's let's brainstorm on the fly do you do you want to go pick you list the guy and then we kind of think say what we think about that position right because we don't know how that guy's going to play what we've heard about that guy right so we're going to start with like round one yeah and then (laughs) through the rounds right I like that. So yeah, let's do that. And I've fully talked myself into that I'm an expert on these people now, which is completely right. dumb because my expertise come with just like he's gonna be wearing uh green and yellow on Sunday. So he's making the best player in the history of the NFL. <laughs> yeah, he, he's gonna probably be real fucking good. All right, so let's start it out. So round one pick 13, Lucas Van Ness. What did you think of that pick? 
So um, I enjoy that pick, right? So I like edge rushers. I anticipate the Packers taking an edge rusher or an offensive lineman or, I mean, I guess I could see them taking like a corner possibly in the first round. I don't ever see them taking a wide receiver in the first round until we have a new GM. Yeah. No, and I'll keep going. Unless like, so if Marvin Harrison Jr. falls to 32 next year, you might get him. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, and might, they might do it. Yeah, after we win the Super Bowl, reload with another weapon. But that—that's the thing, though. Like once we win the Super Bowl, um, Reed's probably going to be the rookie of the year. Watson's going to probably be, uh, you know, all or uh, Pro yeah. Bowler. And then I'm assuming if we win the Super Bowl, Jordan Love probably won the MVP as well. So um, yeah, I would imagine. So it'll—it'll it'll be a good year. But yeah, it, if I tried to uh, throw my unbiased shell off, I won't lie. I was like very confused by this pick. But I don't do a lot of like pre-draft research. Like obviously I realize like we've lost Zadarius Smith last year. Gary hurt. Um, give me the other DN right now. Preston my brain. Smith. Preston Smith. But we and then do like Kingsley and Igbari as well. Igbari, yeah. Who is like very good at like I think pass rush downs, right? So that he makes big plays like on specific pass rush downs. Which I think if pass rushers, that's what you're supposed to do, but yeah. So like kind of like uh we got the weird names that can play on third down. Um Kabir Basha be Amelia or Amila. Yeah. Amelia was uh one of our weird names that would only play on third down. Um, well, they have, we have, did we have both? No, the other guy played for the Raiders and he was like a little bit of a problem, right? In society. No, Can I don't think so. No, he, his brother, he hosts the uh, American Ninja Warrior. Like he's oh. pretty clean. I'm pretty sure one of them was like a problem socially. No, I mean, do you ever watch have... American Ninja Warrior? No. Maybe if they had a third brother, which could be completely, okay. but... I'm going to have um, to look it up tomorrow or something. Because I think it's Kabir Baja Amelia. Amelia. Wow, I keep farting up that last name. And then Akbar Baja Amelia. Amelia. Okay. Wow, God. I'm just throwing See, an extra Amelia. Amelia. I thought it was like... Amelia. No, it's Amelia. Amelia, I can't say it. Kabir Akabar. Kabir, we got it. Kabir Baja be Amelia. Amelia. Amelia, I think would be the way to say it. But anyways, I was a little confused by the pick, but I did like it because it did seem like very Packers-ish to go after, you know, I think there was two DNs picked before him, but it seemed like he was kind of the best guy on the board Slash yeah. like where we needed him to be. I was hoping for uh, in, another name that I'm not going to be able to say right now in Jigba. Uh, yeah, but but yeah, yeah. So once it settled in, I was like, okay, I think that's going to be a really good. So I, I, I like I think it. like his mental attitude towards what the like what the game kind of is makes me pretty happy about it too because. 
and I want to say that he said, like, oh, like he didn't start one down or one game for the Iowa Hawkeyes in his whole career. And he like defended why that was. Right. And so the guy is picked in the top 15 picks of the NFL draft and never made a start. Really? <laughs> yeah. But he had okay. the, like, I want to say the second most snaps on the team. Oh, right? gotcha. So, so like he got like... all the snaps and he just never was like the starter, which is like completely stupid. Yeah, that, that seems. But he defended him like up and down. So I like, I think his mental attitude towards the game is like, this is the way it's supposed to be. You know, like I don't get the starts because of whatever. And I don't know what he said. It probably turned into a point of pride at some point. Like, hey, I don't yeah, start. Do not like, start. Yeah. You can like, just leave me on the side. Yeah. yeah you're, let yeah, me come in this second play. Um, but yeah, high motor dude, Midwestern guy I, I guess i don't even know i'm assuming he's from the midwest and he's playing for iowa i would um, imagine so and he's like feels like a giant right like just jacked out of his mind but yeah no i'm gonna have i gotta pull this one over but yeah i'll i'll see if i can get the measurables up here as well as well um but yeah let's move on to the second pick Actually, first, give me a grade, Mike. What what is your grade on on the first pick of the draft? So I'm going to give it an A. I mean, do you want pluses and minuses? I'll give it an A plus. I think that getting an edge, while you don't feel feel like what I what I presume to be an immediate need, you take what I think is one of the best players on the board, and you dump him into a defense that needs more playmakers all the time. Yeah. And I'll I'll give it a solid a, and the only reason I'm going to do that is because we didn't go after the guy that I wanted, which was Jackson Smith, Nijigba. but I will, I will take that uh, defense help. And like with what they did later in the draft, I think you could move it to an a plus after after you know what we know now. So next pick, we had round two pick 42 uh, that we also got from the Jets. We got Luke Musgrave, tight end from Oregon State. And what did you think about that? Uh, so I think it was pretty good. Um, I don't know which tight end is going to pan out of, out, out of this crew. Um, sounds like he was a little bit injured last year, but I'm concerned. I shouldn't say I'm concerned. Like I feel like the the app I was on makes me concerned because I saw him go in the 60s, like pretty consistently on the mock draft app I was using, right? And so I think, oh, did we like reach to get him? And is he one of the was he the best guy on the board? But I want to say that. Kincaid was gone, Laporta was gone, and Mayer were gone at that point, right? And so, yeah, the Georgia dude was still there. That was yeah, Georgia guy lasted until maybe even after we took crap. Yeah, Uh, so could be. I hope not. I I don't think that not craft 
was third round 78. Yeah. But no, I think he was gone before that. And anyway, like I think drafting the tight end is great, right? So I, I would assume that by not moving up, you assume you took on this saying that like Laporta and Mayer are in the same vein as this guy. And if that's the case, I'm comfortable with what they did. Um, I don't know if that's accurate or not. So I'm happy. I like the position, like taking a tight end in that like position, right? Like, like I thought that's where we should, I would have been comfortable if they double dipped at 42 and 45 and got tight ends at both those positions. And so I'm pretty happy that Musgrave is there. Sounds like he's exceptionally athletic and is it like a good pass catcher or not? I can deal with that. Yeah, no, I, I think it was like a great pick uh, going tight end there. I was happy about that. I will say for me, I'll, I'll grade this one first. I'm going to go. I think it was a B plus because I think is it now I can't remember what the Georgia guys Walker or Washington Darnell Washington Darnell Washington. Um, I just think he's going to be the next tight end. I could be completely wrong about that, but I think he's going to be the next tight end where it's like, you know, Gronk-ish, like Kelsey, one one of the game-changing tight ends in the game. But I could be completely wrong. Where I think Musgraves is going to be like a good pass catcher um, stuff like that. And it looks like, you know, you already alluded to craft kind of being a guy that can block. So it basically, I feel like we took two tight ends and mushed them into one where I think we could have got the tight end that could do both very effective. But what do I know? Like who, who knows what's going to happen? I, right. I who didn't knows know who's going to develop their blocking ability and who's going to be like to, de- I think to have a wide, a uh, tight end that is an elite level wide receiver is rare. Yeah. I don't think that that happens as, as nearly as much as we hope for it to, right? Um, guys have high athletic ability and then they turn into like an actual pass catcher in the NFL. Doesn't seem to be the case very often. Yeah. And do you know, so I, I've been watching some stuff, but like the Raz score, is that like out of 10? Yeah. And what so does it stand for? Relative athletic score. So relative to your peers, how athletic are you? So he got a 9.78 on. Yep. On and I think, Raz, so. and I think that is like judged against all tight ends in the history of the combine. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, I'll I'll take that. Um, what did you give for a grade? So I would, I'm going to go with like a minus. I like the idea of having a pass catching tight end, and I like the idea of drafting a tight end in that position. I don't know if I would care who that tight end was, as long as it wasn't like some guy that was supposed to be drafted in like the ninth round, right? free like an undrafted free agent type guy i'm fine with whoever we take there 
yeah. No, I I think it'll pan out just fine. Um, but yeah, let's get to the next one. Our second second round pick at pick 50, Jaden Reed from Michigan State. I'm gonna let you lead off on everything. Where where did you what did you feel about this? So I I think this is a fine pick. Um I haven't really dug into like what he did in college and how effective he was in college. I would imagine he was pretty good. Um, feels like they drafted. And so this is my personal opinion on this. And so they drafted a punt returner that has the ability to play wide receiver instead of a wide receiver that has the ability to play punt returner. I think this guy is an electric punt returner. I Three touchdowns. Last year, I think, returning punts, something like that. Like multiple touchdowns, returning punts. I don't don't know the exact number, but I believe that they're like trying to key off on Nick's key. Not Nick's, is it? Nixon. Nixon, Jesus Christ. Nixon being the kick returner and being explosive. And then Reed being the punt returner and being explosive. So if he ends yeah, up being no. the third wide receiver on top of that, I'd be pumped, right? So if, if you got a guy that can return punts and like make game changing ability at that, and then on top of that, be effective in the receiving game, I'm all about it. And I think that it's a great pick. Now I do think they picked a punt returner and not a wide receiver there, right? They want a guy who does both, but the main purpose was to get a really effective punt return yeah and from the little bit of research that i've done um on him since we picked because even shit like when it comes to college i only pay attention to the badgers and even with uh lucas finesse like i didn't really know who he was at iowa and i will put my hand up i did not fully know who this guy was uh, until after we picked him and I'm just going off of like other people's opinions and stuff, but so his four yard dash 4.45. Uh, so fairly quick dude. I mean, um, so you ran a four, four, like we get enamored with these guys that run four threes. I mean, there's probably like a handful of guys ever in the history of the NFL that ran a four, two, right. But anything for, Four four nine and under is a four four guy, and is very very impressive. Yeah, I hate that they're putting the height in this in fifty one zero seven five thousand one hundred and seven. I don't even know five eleven or six foot. I can't remember exactly which one. Oh, five foot ten point seven. Okay, that helps me out. So yeah. Okay. So he's like five, five eleven, ish, um, right? And then it sounds like he can play inside, outside, and like you said, punt return on on top of it. Um, just a nice compliment to Watson, Dobbs, and then it looks yeah. like this might be where he could fall in the three, or maybe Toure um, takes the third. Right. But but yeah, and I is- like. If he's your slot guy, right, and we're trying to get the ball in his hands like quick off the line of scrimmage, like that's what's 
type you want is like a punt returner style yeah. guy, right? Yeah, and then just looking at the little bit that I'm looking here. So you have 46 explosive plays in college, which are just 20 plus yards, 20 plus yard plays. So that's pretty damn good. Like even it. if you're like a we'll four-year player. So so yeah. yeah. He can eat crackers in your bed anytime, Mike. Man, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> what only is, way that was something way from you... our past for sure. And I can't remember exactly how that came up, but yeah, it, it was a ball it's an old song, story. right? Yeah. The only way Mike's kicking this guy's out of bed, or the only way Mike's kicking this guy's uh, uh, guy out of bed is if he wants to fuck on the floor. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, all right. Next pick we have, we have Tucker Craft, uh, round three, pick 78 out of South Dakota State. And what do you think, Mike? Uh, so I like double tight ends. Like I said, I wanted to. I was comfortable if you decided to take them at 42 and 45, um, which is I, probably something that happened after I did my mock draft here on the show, um, which because I did nine more on Thursday morning or whatever. Uh, but doubling up there on tight end, I think that you just kind of going to sound like kind of stupid, but like, you're just exponentially increasing your chances of hitting on one of those guys. One of them is almost bound to be good. And I think his RAS is like super high, like a 9.68. Oh, so lower than Musgraves, huh? Interesting. Cause I thought, so there's a guy out there that was a 10. Maybe he's the old dominion kid that was the best, the most athletic tight end of all time came out when, this year too. So had a yeah. time for an athletic score. And anyway, I like this idea. I don't like the idea that he was at a small school, but maybe that doesn't matter. Right. So like Kelsey was at Cincinnati, who is not a power five school. So it might not matter whether that's the case. You have the right size, you have the right abilities, you have the right mindset and let's go. And then he does have like, an awesome tweet today. I saw that he tweeted out like something along the lines of there really is a Culver's at every exit in Wisconsin. And yeah, of course there's. Yeah, no, you covered it perfectly. Like I love the doubling on the tight ends. And I kind of like that. Um, we have Musgraves who seems like he's going to be more of the receiving guy. And then this guy looks like, He's going to be, he could be more of a blocker, like a, okay. a big dude. But like you said, he's, he had his relative athletics for 9.68. Uh, I'm going to scroll up to Musgrave real quick just to, to double. It, it was higher than. It was 9.7 something. Oh, yeah. Never mind. I was looking at it. Yeah. So Musgrave 9.78. He's 9.68. So. Whatever. Uh, if that score matters, this is the first year I really remember talking about this score. But I think to the Packers, that score does matter. They drafted two guys that were below nine, I think, and one guy below eight, I think. Yeah, and Jaden Reed was way below 
six, he was 6.74. So that would be, yeah. So, but like guess. wide receivers, like think of That's the freak tough, you got to yeah. be to have to be high in the RAS score for a wide receiver or like a corner. Like the, you have to be an absolute freak, freak for those guys. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean that's that's a good point. But you you covered it well. I I think it was a great pick. Honestly, this this is where I would go. Just probably another A. Um, the the Packers at this point in the draft are getting like a three point eight uh, GPA out of me. So I think they're doing pretty well. Yeah, maybe that's the way we should grade them is like the overall GPA for the uh yeah, draft. No, and I maybe so uh this is I think this is an A pick. Yeah, and, and like I'm too lenient, right? Like grading a draft maybe should happen after year five. Like are, are you picking up fifth year options? Which I thought was pretty interesting. It, it sounds like even for a fifth-year option, we're going to have only half the guys in the draft are going to get picked up. Like yeah. That's what happened five years ago. But Jordan Love essentially got picked up for his fifth-year option. They just made sure that they didn't have to spend as much money to pick him up for his fifth-year option. Yeah, yeah, and I'm going to let you get into that a little bit later because I, I got questions for you about it because okay. I forgot to look it up uh, beforehand. But, yeah, you're – you're 100% right. It's so stupid to grade a draft right now. I just think it's kind of like a funny thing to do. And then yeah. we can look back and just see how dumb we are. Because Well, and then I can just be like the over-optimist, all A-pluses, right? Yeah. But honestly, I think where we've gone for position-wise, all stuff that is like affected, right? So I like Edge. If you draft... So I don't know if we had like 12 or 13 picks in this draft. If you would have drafted, I think we have 13. So when I did the graphic, I think it was 13. And if you would have drafted 13 edge rushers, for me, I would have been like, let's do this. I love it. Like you get four of them to stick on your team. Like, what do I care? You know, you, a lot of competition, but I would have been like about it. So yeah, I had to move one to safety at some point. We, yeah, we so could have figured out. Position-wise, we're in the right paint. We're doing the right stuff in the first three rounds here. Yeah. All right. Next pick we had in round four, pick 116, Kobe Wooden Edge out of Auburn. How do you feel? Right. And so, like I just said, I I enjoy the edge rusher. Um, I could, I'll take an edge rusher every time they're on the board, especially if I think that they're like a plus guy. Um, I like a guy that's playing in the SEC. Right, that's always good is to be playing in the best. And yes, I will admit that after a 10 year argument with the Big Ten is the same as the SEC, I will say it the SEC is the best conference in football. Uh, Pat has finally won, I've conceded it only took <laughs> probably more than 10 years now, it's probably been almost 15, right? But, um, I will concede this argument and just say that. Yeah, take big, powerful edge rushers out of the SEC. I can deal with that. Um, big, powerful edge rushers out of the Big Ten, I'll deal with that too. I like it. Yeah. Um, always take edge rushers. I do think like grabbing two or three in every draft that you're in for the Packers, 
let's do that. Just scoop up a couple of them. Honestly, well, I'll get to that point in the next one or next couple of one. Here. Yeah, no, it, it is funny that it says edge um, for this guy, but it sounds like he can play inside, outside. Like yeah. he's going to be versatile on Good. on the line. And I know and maybe even, he'll be like a defensive end, right? Where we use edge rushers, right? That from the linebacker position, but maybe he'll just be like a D end, like a three technique. Yeah, no, it, it sounds like he he can move around the D line uh, for sure. But even when we had Zadarius Smith, sometimes we would line him like right up over the nose. So like, I don't know. It, it seems like the defensive line position just in general is changing. And it seems like this is the guy that's going to be perfect, I guess, for lack of a better word, like to be able to be like, okay, you put him on the left, put him on the right, put him in the middle. Like, yeah, just, Good. just to give, give a different, I like that pick. Um, but we will move on to round five, pick 149, Sean Clifford out of Penn State. <laughs> How are you feeling? About that? Uh, so I'm fine with it, right? So I do think that they needed to take a quarterback in this in this draft. Whether he makes a team or not doesn't matter. Uh, if he does make the team, awesome, right? And then if you take a quarterback every year in the draft, like I said about edge rushers, you can take two or three of them. Quarterbacks, I'm in the same boat. Take one every year. Just see, like, what if you do run into Tom Brady, a guy that just will work work insanely hard, have insane, like, personal confidence and just, like, change the game of football? What if you do end up with that? Like, just uh, offhand. Who cares? Yeah, it's an interesting pick to me because it feels like a reach. Like I said, I wasn't too big into uh uh doing like pre-draft stuff or anything but i definitely seen sean clifford uh play a few few games for penn state and never was like a guy that i was like knock my socks off stuff but i do think where the packers and i'm sure other front office offices are playing chess when my simple brain can only play checkers is like, sure, it might have been a reach, but maybe it's because of like some sort of money stuff. And then plus, it's not affecting where you think you're going to get a guy that you want to get like down the road. So I, I don't know. Like we had a lot of picks in this draft. And I think the ones that confused me the most were this this pick because i i just didn't see shock i mean it's a fifth round pick so sure but from some of the other stuff that i've seen too is like people were just surprised sean clifford winning the fifth round which it is what it is like i'm cool with it he's older than jordan love so i think that had something to play into it like we're gonna bring him <laughs> Wait, say say that again. He needs a mentor, right? Like, oh yeah. Did yeah. I say mentor funny? 
No, I I thought you were saying like he needed a veteran presence in the room. I laughed before you before you got your words out. Yeah, but, so it's not quite a veteran presence in the QB room, but it is like a you know a senior citizen to some extent, right? Where I think ideally you'd get a guy like Stetson Bennett. I think he was gone. Yeah, yeah, I think Bennett ended up going either second or third round. But next pick, another fifth rounder, pick 159, uh, Dontavian Wicks out of Virginia. How you feel? So I did see um, Baz did a bunch of stuff on him. Or I shouldn't say a bunch of stuff, but did some stuff on him and was like. He was high on him, yeah. Yeah, and he was like a prototypical like Green Bay wide receiver. So I'm not surprised about this pick. And I like it. Like, build up your wide receiver room. And I think wide receivers, I say it a lot, are a dime a dozen. Right? But also, there's a lot, a lot of good ones late in drafts. So there's no reason to not take some shots on some guys that you really like. So I'm pretty excited about both the wide receivers we take early. And maybe even the one we take really late in this draft to be able to get some traction in the league. Are they all going to end up with the Packers? No. But I guess in theory, you're only going to have seven picks every year, right? Yeah. What was it? In a draft where you have 13, take two or three wide receivers and see what pans out. Take two or three edge rushers and see what pans out. So that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. No, I'm going to stop chiming in too much because this is kind of where – I have uh were you turning your camera on and off? Yeah, I got a piss, so I was just, just trying to like send a signal. You can say that, Mike. Mike's gotta take a piss, so we are gonna take a short break. All right, back from a quick break, and we are in round six, pick 179, Carl Brooks D tackle bowling green and what do you think uh so i think d tackles kind of open up what we can and can't do with the defense um seems like a really hot commodity position as of late so i'm very comfortable with this guy um plays at a little bit smaller school but i've heard a lot of good things about him yeah and like you were saying like you can never have enough defensive linemen and I think it was a good spot to go go take a stab to see if we got our guy. But I I don't know much about this guy. So Right. Yeah. So getting into the late parts of the draft, it's pretty difficult to like identify whether or not they're going to be like elite level players. You assume your round ones, your round twos, your round threes are going to make an impact in year one. Half these guys at the back end of this aren't going to make the practice one, let alone. Yeah. And I think there was some like strategy of like how the Packers were doing this and how much they were going to have to pay, pay who and when. And I think this next pick really um, says it as well. So we, we got kickers Anders Carlson who might've got picked just out of his name because his brother is the Carlson for the Raiders. Oh, okay. Interesting. So, I mean, 
you know, he, he it's in the blood. So, because uh, Dan Carlson, I think that yeah, Dan Daniel Carlson yeah. is his brother. So I guess maybe they're like, okay, well, if we drop this guy, he can, you know, pick his brother's brain. I don't know how much that affects like the kicking position, but overall, not like the greatest kicker in college, but. I think he hit like 71% of his kicks, which in college, it ain't bad. I honestly think the kicking game gets easier in the NFL. That's like one position where I think things get easier. Because like the wide hashes in college, the lack of talent of like snapping and holding, like it's more automatic, like where you just got to like swing the leg. So I don't know. We we could probably reach out to our our buddy Pat McAfee and uh, yeah, just see what see what he thinks. My opinion. That's a very interesting take. That like guys who are not necessarily elite in college could become. I mean, but that's fair, right? So let's let's talk about Vinatieri, right? I think undrafted plays in NFL Europe and then ends up in the NFL. Doesn't actually play. Or doesn't actually like excel in the NFL until the late nineties, right? Gets gets to I don't even know. And what year was it where he hit the game winners in college? I didn't know the whole backstory that you just said right there, even. Uh, so I think McAfee talks about him being in because uh so it kind of came full circle. McAfee will talk about um, Andrew Luck watching Vinatieri play in Germany or whatever. So he was like an NFL Europe guy. Oh, okay. And then, like in the early part of his career, and then obviously one of the greatest kickers of all time, yeah. maybe the highest point scorer of all time, right? I think you're right. Could be right there, right? Like him and. Like one of the Andersons, um, and I think the uh, Justin Tucker from Baltimore, he's yeah, like the ac- accuracy guy, but I, right. he'll probably pass him up if he keeps, yeah, right. Playing so, like, age. Tucker's got a huge leg and pl- is going to play forever and probably be a Raven forever, right? Yeah. And so, I want to say that, like. Maybe kickers like don't always succeed in college, and then they just need an opportunity. And then you see a lot of guys that get picked up like midway through, right? And so there's guys that I'm always surprised don't get an opportunity. Um, there's the Gaglione from the Batters. I was always surprised he didn't get an opportunity, right? Like so, he, always, he always felt like rock solid, right? When he was a batter. He was rock solid, but that's, I think, we're deep diving into kickers now. But I don't think he had the hugest leg. Okay. And he definitely didn't have, like, the body type, you know, yeah. of a kicker. Yeah. Like, Sebastian Janikowski, I think people will say, but Sebastian Janikowski was a fucking freak. I don't know what he was doing in college, but... If you see a guy that can kick like a 65-yard field goal like one out of 10 times, I think that's where you could be like, okay, 
you know, he can kick the ball 65 yards and hit a field goal. Like, there, there's something to work with there. Like, with Gaglione, Gaglione was, like, pretty accurate for a college kicker, but I don't think we're running him out there for a 55-yard I don't even okay. know what we're running gotcha. out there for. Like, he was a good college kicker. I loved him. Yeah, me too. Like, and so I was J- always surprised. Yeah. Uh, but so like maybe he's got the leg, right? Like he can just kick. And if he gets a swing down and he gets it right, then he's good to go. And so I didn't think of that. I just looked at his numbers and was like, well, I don't understand this, but I, I like that take from you. That's pretty good. Yeah, I'm pretty fucking smart, Mike. Nah, You're a genius, Pat. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's let's move into it. So then we finally started dressing the safety where I thought maybe could have got addressed with some of the picks I was confused by. Uh, yep. Sean Clifford, maybe Andrew, Anders Carlson. But we do get a cornerback out of Kentucky. So a guy that's played some big time football. Like we said, he's played in the SEC. He's played against the best receivers. I guess that's all I got. It was like, sure. That, yeah. And so you said you said corner and safety in the inside that comment. Is that like a? Is he like a slot guy? Uh, no. So it looks like this guy is pure corner. Um, just okay. just looking at like his size and. Runs four four four, um, two year starter at Kentucky. Was the boundary cornerback in defensive coordinator Brad White's zone heavy scheme. So hey, yeah, look outside corner. It's perfect. Um, so I like that. Like, go ahead and draft a guy that you think might make the team, right? He's going to be your fourth guy. Like we have three guys that can play at a high level, and we're going to play at a high level. Like we're going to play Douglas, we're going to play Stokes, and we're going to play Alexander. A bunch. If you need another guy, I like it. Bring a guy in, right? You're going to a dime package. We got a rookie that is drafted in the fifth or sixth round, and run with it. Yeah, high Raz score, like. Like you said, so you got a 9.3, and that's another position where it's like you're doing something right if you're, a freak. If you're scoring, yeah, if you're scoring high. And then who knows, maybe that's like a Basaccia, like, hey, here, here's another gunner for you, or maybe yeah. here's, here's another, like, you know, maybe Nixon, um, type guy, yeah, like that yeah, we can like, move on from Nixon because this guy yeah. does that stuff. Yeah, maybe he does um, return stuff, right? Yeah, but that is all speculation straight out of my butt. So that I'll, yeah. I'll give it that. Uh, next pick we have seventh round pick 235, Lou Nichols, the third out of central Michigan. Big back looks like we got another AJ Dillon ish type looking back coming to town. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly if I feel like I want the big back type guy, right? So um, I did not necessarily understand that 
Um, he was a big back. However, it don't matter, right? Like, so take a back, get a guy that can work on his hands. I think a lot of times, like your mentality about like what you're willing to work on, what you're not willing to work on. And I think Dylan has good hands. Maybe this is a guy that's a big back that has good hands. And we can move on from there, right? Um, but I would like to see a replacement for Aaron Jones pop up here at some point because he's like the oldest guy on the offense at like 28. I shouldn't say that because the linemen, I'm sure, are right. I'm sure Bakhtiari is yeah. that, but yeah, and most of our, in that maybe another lineman or two are, but like skill position, he's easily the oldest guy at 28. Everybody else is like 25. Um, so you're going to have to move on from him at some point, and so I'd like to see that replacement come in. Not that you can necessarily get that because I think that he's. Yeah, he's one of the best in the league right now. He's a beast, right? Yeah. So, like, he can figure everything out. Um, but maybe these big backs are opportunities to find like a hole in in what the league is, right? So, the opportunity to take advantage of all these small, fast defenses is with a big bruising back. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it, it's an interesting point that you say because it feels like they drafted Dylan's replacement before they drafted, uh, before they drafted Jones' replacement, and that's kind of what I thought. I was like, oh, maybe we're just committed to riding uh Jones till the wheels fall off and not do the move on a year early thing, which I whatever, I'm cool with. I think All finding right. a guy that's dynamic the way Jones is is very, very difficult, right? So, like, Christian yeah. McCaffrey is in that same vein, right? That he can run the ball and he can catch the ball. Run. And run routes, yeah. And But I think that Jones is probably a better route runner. Like, when you put, put him at, like, a slot receiver, I think he's probably better than McCaffrey. See, I can't yeah. guarantee that, but like that's the way it feels to me. And it doesn't quite feel like that to me. Like I would assume McCaffrey's better, but but yeah, I I don't know if I'm just looking at like stature and stuff. Yeah, because I think in my head still, like if I have to look at like the most talented running backs in the league at this point in time right now. I think I would go with like Saquon Barkley. Granted, he's hurt all the time, but then it's Christian McCaffrey to me. And then, uh, then AJ or not AJ, uh, Aaron Jones falls somewhere like just under that, like athletic. I think, I think Jones is pretty easily a top five or six back in the league for sure. For sure. Yeah. It's, it's like, not, you get a guy like Derrick Henry who isn't necessarily your receiving back. But Jones does so many things. He's so versatile that you tr like in my mind, you keep him on that team for as long as you can. Yeah, no, and I agree. And that's what it looked like they did with this pick. It's like, hey, we're not going to be able to pay both of you running backs this much, so we're going to take our crack at the 
the cheaper one, I guess, because Aaron Jones is getting paid pretty well to be doing what he's doing. But like you said, yep. he is elite. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll move on here. So our next pick in round seven, Anthony Johnson Jr., safety out of Iowa State. I watched some tape on this guy, and I fell in love with this guy very quickly. It looks like he can almost even play linebacker. Um, but it looks looks like he's like a versatile guy. I, I guess other than just watching like a little bit of tape and seeing that he picked number 36, I, I don't know too much more about him other than I think he's going to be good. Uh, so I want to say that he was the like consensus um, like 69 overall. 72 really? overall, like really high, and then fell low. And like, granted, I did hear a lot of stuff about the safety class not being that good, right? But like, I want to say I saw like a consensus super high for him. I did see a little like Twitter tape on him, like, oh, here, yeah, that's, like, that's what three I see. highlights, right? And I was, I was impressed. Like, he makes good tackles. Um, he, isn't afraid to be up at the line is what the way it seems. And I'm, I'm super pumped about that. I think that he's got an opportunity. And I've seen a lot of like anal- analysts say that he has the ability to make a real difference on the defense. And I'm happy. Yeah, I can deal with that. Right. I think safety is something you have to address. Yeah. And so just reading this little scouting report. So he's a five-year starter at Iowa State. Primarily played nickel in a three-three-five defense. So, I mean, yep, you always have a nickel in a three-three-five. So, in your nickel is going to be kind of like a hybrid linebacker. And I don't know. I I love picking that position because it's like Charles Woodson esque. Is like that's that's what we were having Woodson do. Um, back so I think what we forget about Woodson is that he was an elite level actual corner for a long time. Like, yeah, put, no, know, I the mean, best player in the field or best wide receiver on the field corner. And I will shut him down on top of the fact that he was not afraid to go in and like light somebody up. Yeah. And I, I think that defense like Nick Collins is such like an underrated yeah. um, and footnote in in the story of the NFL. Like I like I in re- the story of what Charles Woodson is. Like Nick Collins is him, right? To some extent at the safety position, which allows Charles Woodson to be an elite, elite level guy in whatever he was doing it was two very very smart defensive guys that were very instinctive and could play off each other very well like it seemed like if if woodson was like i'm gonna chase chase something this play nick collins was like well i'm gonna take my assignment and then i know woodson is chasing on this so i'm gonna double back on his you know if yeah. If his uh, yeah. 
intuition was wrong or what i wish like. those guys could have played another two or three years together that would yeah, have been it, it would have been interesting man. the biggest like biggest like miss in, yeah. in packers history i think is nick collins that he got injured and could not play anymore yeah that was rough and then we will clean up this draft with grant dubois dubois from charlotte yeah so i assume like take a wide receiver i'm comfortable with that i think these are the guys that you could have undrafted wide receivers you could move on like late guys these are the guys that i want to guarantee that are on my team and scoop them up all the time right wide receivers do it right so they're the running backs and when you have five positions that need to be filled by that yeah get them on your no. team make sure they're on your team the ones that you think are plus and i think this guy has an opportunity and i like that if you don't take advantage of your opportunity i probably don't want you on this team anyway yeah no I'll, I'll take it it seems like we addressed all the positions that we needed to and like we doubled up or tripled up on on whatever we needed to get a guy out. so i mean if anything it's going to be lighting fires under the asses of many guys in positions like there's there's going to be some competitive rooms in uh training camp for spots so so my overall takeaway is th this was one of my favorite like looking at the drafts and like being like i really liked who the packers or i guess more so what positions the packers attacked and i thought yeah. they did a pretty good job i think they could have got went after like a safety or some sort of cornerback a little bit earlier but yep. that that would be my only downfall in the takeaways what do you think well i think the highest rated safety was definitely there at 13 because he didn't get taken until day two and then he might have been there at 42 honestly and we chose not to like jump on that and they talk to this guy. They understand like where his mindset is at to some extent, and they chose not to take him. I can deal with that. Um, I would argue that I think somebody said something along the lines of like, you love your armchair GMs to me, right? Because I said I didn't like something. And to be fair, GMs are just guys that sit back, watch what everybody does. The only difference between like them and me is they get to talk to these guys like face to face. Yeah. I mean, they, like GMs don't have like this, like they're not at every practice. They're not like watching what this guy does in class. They might have access to that, but if I look that up, I can have it too, right? Like, Oh, his GPA is a 3.7. Like that means he's intelligent to some extent. Yeah, that's true. The only difference yeah. is they can talk to a bunch of these guys, not even all of them. They can only talk to a bunch of them. Well, and then also they get paid to talk to them and paid to see what they're yeah. doing. And like, that's what they're doing all of the time. But, but an armchair but quarterback is different than an armchair GM. An armchair GM 
is the exact oh, okay. same thing now I, as now I can't GM. GMs and armchair GMs are the same thing. They're guys that watch football and say, this guy's good at it. Gotcha. 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 So right, I, let's, sorry, that one got in my craw a little bit, as you can see. <laughs> He's getting getting all here. Um, all right, let, let's go NFL wide. So who I'm just gonna do one of these questions because I only have an answer to really one of them. No, I'm gonna do two of them. So who do you think is a person the Packers will regret not taking? Uh, so I'm not sure. I think that I will say, I forget his actual name, but the safety out of Alabama, like the guy, uh, Branch, Dion Branch. That seems like it would be wrong, but that's just because I know it. Okay. Yeah. That sounds more right. All right. So, uh, I think it's Brian Branch now that I'm like really processing it. I think that's a guy you're going to regret not taking, I think, but I have no idea. Uh, that's yeah. a safety, and if you could have got him at 42, I think that's where you regret not taking him. But yeah, and mine's just doubling back to I think Washington is gonna be just an absolute stud. Um, but whatever, well, we'll see how it plays out. I don't know, shit, so it's just in my head that I think that that guy's gonna be special. I don't think it's gonna be like right out of the gate. I think it's going to be three years down the road. Like people are going to be looking at him and be like, "Why the fuck did they pat?" Like he's just a monster. Like he was different, like than than everybody. Like that. That's just where he is in in my in head. To me. Uh, so that's funny. Like you say that. Like the three years down the road thing. And I think tight ends are always that. Even yeah. like Kyle Pitts. I think like Kyle Pitts is like. No, he's going to be the third pick. I don't know what he ended up being. He's going to be the third pick in the draft. Like, this guy's going to be elite level tight end. Well, guess what? Like, nobody's an elite level tight end in their rookie year. And I thought it was really funny that I think the Lions take Laporta, right? So they traded Hawkinson last year and then take Laporta in round two this year. Didn't make any sense at all to me yeah i just get the same guy but more raw i guess right like you set him back to his rookie year instead of having him at year i think it'll be year three coming up or year four maybe coming up but didn't make sense to me like you're and even if laporta might not even be the same dude athletically because uh hawkinson went like sixth overall I yeah I don't even remember where Hawkinson went, but I trust you. It was high. It, it, it was, was it might not have been six, but it was high. I know that. So, all right, all right. and then, like, that was just weird to me. My favorite draft question because I do have opinions on this. Who do you think the best quarterback coming out of this class is going to be? Like long term, like who are we going to be? Like that's the Hall of Famer. Everybody else was. A joke. Yeah, I, th- I think that's the way to play it. Um, I th- think I think you could do both, but yeah, let's just do overall. Like, who do you think the best quarterback to go out of this? And like, maybe if you have a 
opinion of who's going to be bad. And if you want me to go first, I definitely can because I have these answers in my head. Other than that, I have my person who I don't really think is going to be good more so than I have the person. Go ahead. Are we like talking like top five guys like Hooker, Levis, yeah. Stroud, um, Young, and Richardson? Yeah. I mean, if okay, you go, got why guy, don't you go ahead? If you got a guy deep in the draft, like I, I'm just talking about any quarterback, but I mean, those are the ones that are ringing though. So I think Will Levis is going to absolutely suck. And the only thing that I'm really going off of is the guys who talk the way Levis talks, walks the way Levis walks, don't ever tend to just end up paying off. Like I've got burned in my, my takes when I say I got burned, like it didn't cost me anything, but like, I was like, okay, I think Baker Mayfield's different. Like, I think he's going to be all right. Johnny Manziel, I think he's going to be all right. And like any, any of those guys that are like too cocky like that, like it's just not, I mean, I think it almost goes to our uh, Ninja Turtle thing that we're still working on. It's just a little too much Raphael and not enough Leonardo. And I think you you need a guy that is more Leonardo-esque. And I think I'm pretty simple. Like, I always think the best quarterback is going to be the guy who was on the best team that led his team. So Bryce Young, to me, would be the easy answer, but I'm not going to go that way. Because I think Hayden Hooker, I think that is going to be the best quarterback coming out of this. Big-time football player, Tennessee, you know, maybe they were, like, super talented this year and then shit the bed late in the season or whatever. But I don't think so. Like, I think they were playing above their head, and I think they were playing above their head because Hayden Hooker was having a pretty phenomenal season. So that's, I would say, shit end of it. I think Will Levis. I do not think Anthony Richardson is going to be good either. I don't know what it is about him other than I watched him play in person and complete seven out of 31 passes. And like, it was just blowing my mind. Like once I heard his name rising up, I was like, that's the same Florida quarterback that I watched go seven for 31 in a game at FSU. And FSU stuck this last year. Yeah, FSU was not elite, right? Yeah. I, I just didn't get that. But him and uh, Jordan Travis were running wild. And they they both did not throw the ball well in the game I went to, but they they definitely made plays when they needed to make plays. So I will give them that. Like they were going shot for shot, but but yeah, I'm gonna go Hayden Hooker top, Will Levis low. All right, I'm gonna take a piss and then I'll be back. Gonna rock rock a number one. Who are you thinking, Mike? Who's the top QB out of this class? Um, so I'm not sure. I don't know if there is like a good one. Um, so I could pretty easily just say Bryce Young because he gets drafted number one overall, I think. Um, if I'm going through everything, 
let's say we'll just go with the top five guys, right? Guys that you expected to be high level players, right? So Hendon Hooker goes lower due to the fact that he tears his ACL, but like that should not matter. Um, Bryce Young, intelligence level is there. Physical abilities we're unsure about because of his actual like size. Size in the NFL matters due to the fact that you're going to take hits. There's no doubt about it. Um, then C.J. Stroud goes number two. Feels like a system quarterback, right? It comes out of Ohio State where almost no one succeeds coming out of Ohio State. Like they can't, like it's very difficult for them to function inside the NFL. Now, and I also think that Davis Mills is not nearly like the like shitbird that everybody thinks he is. Um, everybody thinks that he's terrible. I like Davis Mills. I think that he is fine. I think if you give him four years as a starter, he might turn into a guy like that just kind of stays in the league, right? Just starts for a long time, like a Heineke or a Fitz, Fitzpatrick, right? So like a guy like that, not that he's great, but he's not bad either. Like he's a guy that you can function as your team leader for a bit. And that, that's kind of a personal opinion. And then like uh, Anthony Richardson goes four to the Colts who probably has like the best situation, but he doesn't have actual wide receivers to throw the ball to too much. And so you have um, one good wide receiver. And then I think even Paris Campbell's gone after this year. And so a lot of like young guys throwing the ball to you. You do have Jonathan Taylor in the backfield. Um, but not sure what you do there, right? So super athletic. Do not know if he can actually play quarterback at any level. I'm not sure he can play quarterback at the college level, let alone at the NFL level, um, which is what it is. Will Levis, I didn't see a ton on him. I saw people either loved him or hated him. They think that he's weird. Um, not 100% sure like how you like how to evaluate a guy like Will Levis. Obviously has a cannon for an arm, but the Packers drafted a guy that beat him in a quarterback's competition. Right? Like I didn't realize like, that. Doesn't well, he was at Penn State and he couldn't yeah. get the start of yeah, the no, was Kentucky, right? So, like the way I see that is you didn't you couldn't deal at Penn State because you don't go from Penn State to Kentucky to be like this is the path to the NFL. You just don't but do there's that. there's a pretty good example of a guy that got beat out by a quarterback, yep. transferred schools. Um and gosh, I can't everything the Eagles quarterback right now. Um Hurts. I want to say Mahomes. Yeah, Jalen Hurts. So it was either yeah, Mahomes did the same thing, right? Transferred out of Oklahoma. I don't remember Mahomes is situation. Yeah, I can't remember his entire thing, right? But like, yeah, Hurts gets beat up by a guy that at least 50% of the league thinks is like legit. I think yeah. Right. So like, I think two is good. Right. 
but you got beat by a guy that people don't think is good. Yeah. That I'm yeah, there's a point there. So yeah. Right. So like most of the like I think everybody in the NFL thought too was a plus player. Might not have thought he's number one overall pick because he doesn't go there. But they thought like if he lasts till uh round two, pick one, he's definitely going there. Like the team that drafted one one was probably gonna like, wow, shit, might as well like just double up here, right? Because he lasted this long. Um, I don't think anybody hated Tua. They might have thought guys were better than him, didn't hate him, right? I think the Chargers are like classic. Yeah, saying, the Chargers. It doesn't matter who's here. They picked like, I don't know where they went, like seven, eight, nine, somewhere in there. But they said, doesn't matter who's here. If it's a Tua or Herbert, we're taking who's left. Yeah. So if they both make it there, then it's a different story. But um, this guy loses to a guy that – but then again, there's Tom Brady who lost out to like three guys in college. So not sure what to think about Levis. And Hendon Hooker seems like a super high-end athlete. And I like your take on like they're not an elite-level team. They were playing above their head. Because of that, like that's an interesting take to me. I didn't like consider that. I don't know how accurate it would necessarily be. I think my attitude towards NFL quarterbacks is one, are you intelligent? Do you understand how to play football, right? Like how to make good decisions. And then do you have the physical attribute? I'm more concerned with how you break down the game than I am about whether or not you have the physical attributes. Like, that's important. Don't get me wrong. You have to be able to make that throw on a line, like, really quickly. But reading the defense is more important. Now, I've heard that these guys are all good at – I think I'm going too long on this shit. But like, <laughs> you're, getting into, you're getting into the weeds. Yeah, um, so, like – as far as quarterbacks go, in probably every draft I've ever like even like considered this question, I don't think about it too much because I don't one, I don't really believe that quarterbacks should go in the top ten or fifteen or twenty because they're not the best football players, right? Like they're not a guy that can really make an impact in year one. It's very rare that a rookie comes in and changes what your team is where like i do feel like guys can do that in the top 10 at times and so you have some wild takes with that like that that's where i would i would pull out the red flag with that because the quarterback position you know is got to be the most important position in sports so even it if probably is don't right think this guy is going to be like year one like joe burrow coming out of the gate but yeah like, so that's a rarity think, right joe burrow is pretty rare and he even he wasn't good in year one yeah and i mean they're not always going to be like josh allen not great right. in year one maybe not even great in year two um but turns you around eventually i yeah, i just so- think that's what like i do think you have to take them in the top 10 right so like shouldn't take them in 
have to are different things, right? So I think the majority of your top end QB talent is taken in the top 10 picks of the draft or 15, right? So if you want to throw like Mahomes was taken 14th or 15th or whatever he was, it doesn't matter, yeah. right? Like you probably have to take most of these guys high. Tom Brady is an extreme outlier. Even, even uh, Aaron Rodgers is an extreme outlier for a guy that's taken at 24, I believe. Like it's an oddity, right? Because of the way they take guys for quarterback. But if you're actually going to try to affect your team in the short term, you wouldn't, you would take those guys later, right? So it's probably going to be three years before a guy can actually lead you to a Super Bowl or lead you to like a big change in what your team is. And so I feel like almost every draft has zero quarterbacks that really succeed in a class. So if I'm going to have to pick one that is the the best in this group, I'm going to take the guy that appears to have the best brain and breaks down defenses most effectively. And I'm and like young, right? And that's just from things that I've heard. I don't know if that's accurate. Um, and then the second thing is it all comes down into like what work you're willing to put in now, right? So maybe Bryce Young doesn't put in the work now that he is excessively wealthy, right? I have no idea. Yeah. I don't know, but I I don't know if anybody could have took that long to answer that question. But yeah, you're right. Like I, I feel like I just have issues with quarterbacks because it's all mindset. It's all how you break things down and how, how much you're willing to work. Yeah, no, I, I think Bryce Young's probably got a got a good chance at at being that guy, but I was trying to throw a little bit of a one. But from there, so Mike's choosing Bryce Young. I am choosing Hayden Hooker, and we are moving into barking about the Bucks. And we're going to try to be quick about this because we know it's a sore subject. I was super pissed off, but anyways, the Heat at end up absolutely fucking just lighting our asses up um, where it seemed like the most classic Wisconsin failure of all time. Cause I kept hope till like the very end, but Jimmy Butler just did not quit on us. And, and we, we got crushed in the playoffs. Um, and I will ask Mike this so do you think this season was a failure? Because this this got a lot of blowback because Giannis answered this question very gracefully. I love Giannis. There's Giannis could almost do anything. He he's fallen into my family category, like where I would defend him even if he's defrauding the the country. Mississippi welfare. <laughs> yeah. If he would do that, I would defend him as well, I think. For a bit, right? Anyway, might not defend him forever, but I would defend him for a bit. Um, I loved the way he answered the question. I do think the season is a failure. Yeah. Right? I I don't see how it's not. I So I think that like him kind of lighting that dude up is the right way to go. And I saw something by Bill Burr. Like 
if this dude is a failure, like, what am I? Right. It's kind of the question that Bill Burr is asking, <laughs> which uh, I love. Oh, that's like, awesome. I, I didn't. Where do you see that? So he does a Monday morning podcast stuff. And I bet you was probably whenever his last one was. So I saw it on Twitter. Right. I enjoy him a lot. I might have to check that out. Yeah. His podcast is pretty good too. I've listened to it a few times. Um, anyway, he just says like, if this dude, like the guy that like works his ass off is like an elite level player. I think what we forget about is that when we're, when the bucks failed, which I think is accurate, like you were expected to do more than what you did. You have to understand that Jimmy Butler probably falls, maybe not in the vein of Giannis, but right there. He is not some like mid-level player that just decided to go off here. Jimmy Butler is a superstar, right? Spolstra, I think, should get a lot of credit in in the way he manages. I honestly think when the Bucks won the won the championship, it was due almost like a hundred percent to Budenholz. Not that he doesn't have players, like everybody's got some players that make it to that level. But the way he decided to play defense and work uh Durant changed the way that series went. And then this the next series was against I think the Hawks was in the fine uh, Eastern Conference Finals. And you made Trey Young like look silly because he was too tired to play real basketball. Yeah, I remember your theory on that. And I I think if that was our strategy versus the Nets the year that we won the championship, that was rolling the dice. Yep. And Maybe not like completely lucky, but we got lucky. Like we got lucky that. Oh yeah. Maybe Durant ran out of gas because I don't think Durant ran out of gas. I think Durant's toe changed the whole series. You know, like if his toes. So like, I think line, he like, says that though. That like, not that he's tired, right? But that like. He says something like, I knew exactly where my feet were. He makes that comment in some interview. And then uh, I've seen this thing from uh, the UConn coach, Gino. Ariyama. Yeah, whatever it is. Um, I can't remember his last name. Sorry. And you said it, but I still can't say it. So Gino, (laughs) he just says like, good players like can do everything great players can do. The difference between great and good is great players never get tired, right? So they wait until good players get tired and then they light you up, right? And like, uh, I think that's the, like in a, like an actual thing with like a guy like Durant or Giannis, like, or Jimmy. Like, I think Jimmy falls into a great player category. Like he yeah, might not he, have he the same is. team around him, but I think he's right there. Yeah, I 
I have a little trouble putting him like right there with Giannis. Like, I think it's, I think Giannis is like, uh, but, but you ain't wrong though, in the sense that Jimmy Butler can be that guy. Like, it's just, he's not there every night like Giannis is. And that might actually end up being like what our problem is in, in the postseason. Is because when Giannis is on the floor, he's he's doing it. And then when say Jimmy Butler's on the floor, like they're they're managing, but like when is a Bucks fans experience with Jimmy Butler, like recent history, that guy is a fucking killer, dude. He just yep. is like a fucking assassin when he needs to be. And yeah, I mean you gotta you gotta give credit where credit's due, and Jimmy Butler deserves some fucking flowers for how he's torched the Bucks in the bubble, and then again this year, like with a team that was not supposed to be the Bucks. Granted, Giannis goes down in Game One, doesn't play in Game Two, we win. Doesn't play in Game Three, we give fucking want plays in game four we get want or well, he played wait. like 17 minutes in game one though yeah yeah it was pretty short right yeah i, I would say Giannis didn't play game basically okay it, like so we didn't have Giannis for the first three games so there's that too but but like i said even when Giannis was back, maybe he wasn't like fully healthy, but the Heat, the Heat deserve credit for the way they put down the Bucks. Like, I would agree. Like you're no eight seed in the NBA should beat a one seed ever. Yeah, shouldn't happen. And the Buc- the Bucks are a better team. At least the regular season told us the Bucks are a better team than the Heat, even without Giannis. I would say, yeah. um, and they and Jimmy Butler said no because even Tyler Euro went down. Like, yeah, they had one of their studs was... go out. I shouldn't say studs, but like a yeah. main piece. Main piece is gone. Mm-hmm. All right, how do you feel about like Bud being fired? I, I thought it was fair. I, th- I think if something like that happens, it. Like, if we won the championship last year, then this happened this year. Sure, maybe. And granted, we've had Middleton go down, so we don't have our second best guy go through. But it it seems like different buttons need to be pushed, different things. And, yeah, I, I do think coaching is very important in the NBA. But I just think it's fair. Like, I I think the city was let down. Sure, I think there's somewhat of an emotional response to this, which I don't think is smart. But I don't know. It, it seems like somebody else needs to start hitting some buttons and figuring out something that that butt hasn't been figuring out. Yeah, so I think that that's fine. Um, 
I would not have moved on myself. I think that it's not the time. Like if you would fail, like really fail, like you can't even make the playoffs with a guy like Giannis. I don't know what happened in the series. I don't know why things didn't work the way we needed them to. Right. Uh, however, I don't think you fire this guy at this point. Now, if you get complacent and I, yeah, I don't know. Like I don't, I don't necessarily agree with it. I don't have a good reason. I don't agree with it. I, can I mean, they were the best. With, they were the best team throughout the regular season. Like he yeah, won a is, championship. There, there's a lot of reasons why you don't need to move on from this guy. Right. And, and I think that I'm like on board with that. So I want to say to some extent, I'm the Steelers, right? It doesn't matter what my head coach does. We don't fire him ever, right? So that's essentially the way the Steelers have looked at head coaches is I don't know who the first one was, but like Bill was there Cowher. forever. Like, no, no, not Bill Coward. Oh, the guy before him was there for okay. like 30 years, right? And then Landry? No, Landry's a Cowboys guy, right? No, I think you're right. I, I mean, I'd have to. Google. It doesn't matter. They leave. They have like four head coaches in the history of the Steelers. Maybe it's three. Could easily be three. <laughs> and so it's Cower, and then it's Tomlinson. And like, even though Tomlinson hasn't made the playoffs two years in a row, the Steelers are standing pat. They don't care. Chuck I can't Noll imagine the Steelers have the made guy. the playoffs. What's that? Chuck Noll. He was Chuck the Steelers Noll. coach from 1969 till 1991. He was basically there. Yeah. That's and Cower is there until 2006. Yeah, 92 to 2006. No shit, 2006, right on the nose? Booyah. Yeah. Um, and then Tomlinson's there for another 15 years, 17 years. Yeah, but if you look at these guys' records, though, it's, it's pretty phenomenal. But I guess oh. if you looked at Mike Budenholzer's record, it's probably pretty fucking phenomenal. Yeah. Like, and so what I, what I think I would like to see out of Wisconsin sports is like, don't be reactionary. In the Steelers, there's no way that they've made the playoffs every fucking year for the last 50 since 69. There's no way. That's 70 years. Not 70, that's 60 years of making the playoffs, right? 53 years of making the playoffs, 54 years of making the playoffs. There's no way that's the case. And there's probably got to be spells in there that they missed the playoffs for five re years in a row. And they didn't. I don't it. know about that. Maybe I not. I mean, maybe. But like, I feel like that's the way you should treat coaching. Um, I'll get back to like my QB stuff a little bit. Like, most of these guys, if you give them a couple of years to learn things and then try to do things in years four, five, and six, they're probably going to be good. But the fact that you're going to write them off after year two 
because they have two rough years in a row, they're going to fail. Right? Like the adjustment period is very heavy for things of like coaching. Right? So you like, you could write butt off because he had two bad years because he doesn't adjust stuff. Well, like maybe you go in and you say, hey, here's the fucking deal. You're doing this shitty. Let's try to do this. Bring in a different assistant that tells you how to adjust things. You might be the best fucking coach of all time. Like, I don't fucking know. But so that's where I don't like the constant move. Um, okay. Um, yeah, no, I think it's fair points. I do think we're getting as like a whole culture, like a little bit reactionary. But with that being said, like, who do you think is going to be the next coach? And who do you want to be the next coach? I've heard a lot of things about like Nick Nurse, right? And I don't know. Like, um, I have zero idea who's a good NBA coach. Yeah. And to be honest with you, I don't like the recycle of the NBA coach. I feel like the NBA coaches are never guys that are up and coming, but always guys that had coaching jobs in the past. Like Budenholzer had the Atlanta Hawks coaching job, gets fired. And then he gets the NBA, the Bucks job. Just give me somebody new. I don't want somebody that has been recycled. Give me someone new. I don't know if that's yeah, no. smart or not smart, but that's what I want. No, I think it's smart. You know, I think you can give someone the Bucks team. And I mean, we, we've seen it with uh, Jason Kidd, and then he goes to, did he go to Dallas? To yep. Coach in Dallas. And then, yeah. Yeah, no, I like that. Let's, no, he might have went to the more. Nets first and then to Dallas. That sounds about right. So yeah, and so like, yeah, Let, let's get some, let's get some new blood in there because I think anybody that has Giannis like this, uh, I don't know what we need for a coach. Like, I don't know if it's like a fire under the ass. It, it did feel like the Bucks were in that last series just needed a little bit more fire than they got like out of everybody besides Bobby Portis and Giannis like when he came back. But I do think there's the quicksand aspect of it is sometimes the harder you try, the worse it's going to get. But yeah. But yeah, yep. I, I'm going to go with you new blood so with that um i just want to see who you think's coming out of the west not not a full breakdown like not a full breakdown of the west but who's coming out of the west and who's coming out of the east all right so you're gonna have to give me a little bit of a break here who's left in the west so we got golden state and the lakers and then who's the other series now you're making me think while I'm drunk and yeah. feel dumb about it. I was going to take the Lakers, so that was that, I want to take the Lakers my, as well. Uh, but that was my a, dumb. So the who are the Suns playing? Uh, okay. Now I'm not going to look it up. So Suns are playing. They're getting beat by the Nuggets. Nuggets. Sorry. Oh yeah. So it's probably going to be the Nuggets, but. 
I honestly am a LeBron apologist and would love to see LeBron make it to the finals again. No, I I'm on there with you. Um, as we are talking right now, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, the Warriors whooped the Lakers one twenty seven to one hundred. Um, but but yeah, you're probably right. It's probably going to be the Nuggets. Um, but I'm going to say it's going to be a weird year, and I'm going to answer my East before you do. And I think it might be a Lakers versus Heat year. I'm going to oh. let my emotions roll right now. I do not want to see the Heat do it, and I think if I was smart and like they were like, if uh, you don't get this right, I would go. I would go with uh, Nuggets and Celtics, but letting the emotions roll into it, I'm going to go with the Heat versus the Lakers in the finals. Heat Lakers finals, I like it. Um, Lakers. So who are the Heat playing? Because it's Celtics versus Philadelphia currently, right? Yeah, and then the Knicks are the other team. So, oh yeah, we Knicks actually paid attention. Chance. I was kind of hoping the Knicks had a chance because I hate all the other motherfuckers on that East. No, I mean I think the Knicks really do have a chance to be the Heat, but all right. Uh, so it's going to be the greatest finals of all time. You ready for this, Knicks yep. Lakers? That's what we're going to go with. Lakers. See, but would you think that that's actually the greatest one? Because the the story between, like, it could be Boston Lakers. Like, it could could. So I think that that wise Knicks Lakers would like end the world almost. Like they're just gonna like nut all over each other just to have Knicks Lakers in there. Yeah, I would. Yeah. You're, you're, you're right. Even if you could you're get right. Bulls Lakers, I think it would be be pretty fucking huge. Because I think when you think of basketball cities and like basketball rich cities, you think LA, you think New York. That's really like when you're thinking yeah. about like the the kids coming up, like those cities love basketball, like Rucker Park, like. Yeah. I don't know what a part in I think LA the Knicks is, but ever I know being there, the Knicks being there ever is like a huge fucking thing. I like, think they, they won two championships. And they haven't been good in fucking 40 years. Yeah. I shouldn't say 40. I mean, they Patrick were Ewing. Ewing. Yeah, Ewing. Bobby Ward. Uh, Starks. John Starks. Oh, man. There was a couple of years that I thought the Knicks were going to do it, and they never fucking got there. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're you're having some good polls because I don't even remember anybody besides. Well, that. so that would have been <laughs> like the mid, like the mid '90s, maybe early '90s. Nah, because I I don't want to say it was the early '90s because I want to say even like Jordan's first. I don't know who Jordan's first championship was against. But the first one I even remember discussing was Bulls Suns. I think it might have been that, though. It could have been. Like, so I think it was like, Barkley. What? So that's 92, 93, and 94. Right? So I know that they're in the early ones. 95 and 96 are the Rockets. 
they win both of those. And then 97, nine, no, 90, prime 96 is the Rockets. No, I just 90, remember the 96 the and 98 is the Bulls. So it's 94 and 95 are the Rockets. So if we're looking at this, so the Bulls with Jordan in 91 beat the Lakers. In 92, they beat the Trailblazers. In 93, they beat the Suns. And then you were right. It goes Rockets, Rockets when Jordan was out. Yep. It, and then the Bulls beat the Sonics. And then the Jazz. And then the Jazz again. I, I just remembered the Jazz. Like that was when my brain actually started forming. So I knew they beat the Suns once. And I don't think I could have told you the Sonics were there, even though I love Gary Payton and Sean Kemp. Sean Kemp yeah. most, mostly, but Gary Payton too. I love both of those. That left shrimp, man. Rick Schmitz. No, Rick Schmitz was a pacer. I lied to you. That was a complete lie. But yeah, it's weird that the way it goes, because then it was Popovich in San Antonio in 99. Lots of Lakers back to San Antonio. San Antonio is always going to be like that low key fire team. That, yeah, if you want to take a team from whatever it was when they won their first one, 99 to 2010, the Spurs could easily be that team. So could the Lakers, which is kind of low key because you think. Oh, they won three with Kobe and Shaq, right? But then they win another, like, what, one or two more? Yeah. So so they won two more in 2009, 2010. Then they won the bubble one. So they won three more. Okay. uh, One with LeBron. But it really does feel like people aren't counting that season. They don't count. They, they don't they want to dismiss everything fucking LeBron's <laughs> ever done that's positive. And I get it that he's a fucking tool, but you have to separate the fact that like what he is as a human versus what he is as a basketball player. And what he is as a basketball player is super elite and has dominated the game for is this 19 years? Yeah. Or is it and what and what he is as a human as far as the general public knows, is like a outstanding. You've never citizen. heard that he's fucking cheating on his wife. You've never uh, heard that he's fucking. I think. I think that's. I think that's been heard before, but I don't know any of the. Things. I'm sure it's, it's like, heard. Like, yeah. Okay, you're like six eight. Like, wasn't like the Kobe you. thing. No, it's not the Kobe thing. He's not fucking raping people. Right, like yeah. he might be cheating on his wife. He married his high school sweetheart, who he has what three kids, I think, with. Right, and he is still with her. He appears to be this guy that works his fucking ass off. Doesn't appear to be like someone who. I get that you're gonna rip into him that he's a bit of a tool, but he like has actually tried to put 
his money back into the community in a real and effective way with schools. Like, I don't a hundred percent know why people rip on him other than the fact that he left Cleveland and went to Miami so that he could win championships. Cause he didn't think Cleveland would give him that. Yeah, no, I, I think there's some fairness in, into that is that he left, you know, made a super team and then had like two big guys to lean on to win his championship. But I feel but like he can did he really have com- two guys? Like Bosch was good. I get that. But like outside of Wade, I don't think you had a second guy. Like or a third guy, right? Like Bosch was good, but he was never like better than a Horace Grant or a Dennis Rodman. I mean, I guess you could say that. I think Personal Bosch. Opinion, I guess, but. But yeah, I I, uh, I also think that there there's truth in what you're saying, but I do think Bosch is probably a criminally underrated basketball talent. That when he went to that team, like he was just the guy who had to back down out of that. Because I want to say he came from the Raptors, right? He did. And he was just, and he was really an absolute monster yeah but uh bosh could still take over games like i i want to say he was the last one of no because wade was the last one of those guys to say uh, but whatever we're we're going down down a rabbit hole with there. lebron james that, i i don't even in, like know july. where the rabbit what's that we can get into that rabbit hole in july if you want yeah yeah and we will so let's let's bark about the Bucks here real quick. And I'm just gonna roll through what I got. Uh and the Brewers. What did I say the Bucks again? I I listened you to did, the one of the last podcasts and I kept calling the Brewers the Bucks. So I'm sure that was super confusing. Yeah, and you're gonna have to talk on this. Like I got nothing on the Brewers right now. Like no, I've been I've been fucked. I've been a decent fan, but not a great fan. I would say I caught two games since the last show. The one was today when they shit the bed. But we're we're not going to get too much into the the nitty gritty of it. So currently, right now, the Bucks are eighteen and thirteen on the season, on a four game losing streak. They are three and seven in their last ten games. Currently sitting. In second place in the NL Central, a game and a half behind the Pirates. Fun fact about the NL Central, when I was doing my research right now, every team in the NL Central is currently on a losing streak. The Pirates are on a four-game losing streak. The Cardinals are on a six-game losing streak. The Cubs are on a three-game losing streak. And the Reds have lost their last game. Uh, As for big news for the... Yeah, so I don't know if you call it. A I'll sport, give you it. I'll give it to you. Yeah. But it's a little sketchy. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean every every team's lost their last game, so the Brewers lost their last four. But big news wise, uh, Tyrone Taylor has came back for the Brewers, which is 
great defensively. Dude just has an absolute fucking gun. Gun a guy out at the plate the other day. Yep. He's got a he's got a six shooter for sure. And then he hit a bomb today. But if we're gonna look at the last five games, the Brewers have been hitting like dog shit. Um their their average as a team is uh 191 on base percentage is 279 and they've only scored 12 runs in five games so mike give me give me what that average is less than two runs a game no more than two runs a game but not much more than two runs a game i can't give you the actual average 2.0834 okay so and then as a pitching staff pitching staff hasn't been too bad era over the last five games including the bullpen is 3.14. Um, quality start, they've had three quality starts. I am, I have a a tick in my brain that loves quality starts. For some reason, that's like, Love it. like my favorite stat. And they've given up 15 earned runs uh, throughout this. So not, not playing the greatest ball. Uh, looks to be on the offensive side of things lately but my question for you is we put it we definitely put a number in football that i think was fair i think we came to 24 and a half points for yeah, football. So like somewhere between 23 and 25 points right so we have something very very close to what the real number is so if if you score over 20 four and a half points and hold a defense to under 24 and a half points, we say you should win the game. But if you give up more than 24 and a half points, it's the defense's fault. But if you don't score more than 24 and a half points, it's the offense's fault. What is that number? Yeah. What is that number that you got on a baseball diamond? I don't know that I've really like thought of this too much. I think your quality start stat like really plays a piece to that, right? So quality start, you give up three runs or less. Is that correct? In six innings, I think. In six innings, which means it is five runs in nine innings? No, one and a half. So it's four and a half runs in nine innings, right? So let's just say I four and a half, right? So if you score five runs, it's a defense problem, a pitching problem. And if you score less than five runs, it's an offense problem. So I'm going to go with right on five. Um, I'm just going to do the straight math on a quality start, which I feel like when it comes to actual numbers and how they do things in baseball, baseball gets numbers right more than any other sport. So I'm going to go with five. Five. Okay. And if you want to give me the ability to go with half runs, I'm going to go with four and a half, right? So if you score four, your um, defense needs to step up. And if you score five, your defense needs to play better. If you score five and lose, you need to, your defense needs to play better. And if you score four and win, your offense should step up. I like it. 
four and a half. That's where I was going to yep. set it at. So we 24 and a half in football, four and four and a half in baseball. So yeah, I think that I think that's fair. And really, like a quality start, you get to six innings with three runs. The way the Brewers have been in the past, you could just roll out like one uh, seventh inning closer, a eighth inning closer, and a ninth inning closer and be done with. I like it. I like they've it. had that moment where they've had those guys that like, if you throw those like, and I don't even know who it is at the moment, right? So like I said, I've been a little burnt out on the Brewers due to the fact that my brain is like, I wake up with a headache every day because like shit isn't going good in my life. Right. (laughs) So I don't know who those guys right off the top of my head are, but like you should almost, if you said it at three, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate it. Yeah. No, at first I was thinking in three and a half, but the my quality start stat and then you're uh talking about it made made me think a little bit more so i think well yeah i think three and a half to four and a half four is like the uh twilight zone of where you you make it a 50 50 game if if you get to five, you should win that game. Which whatever. These are stats that aren't all of you know, it's not gonna happen all the time. But I think I think if you give four runs, you give yourself a 50% chance to win the game. And if you get five runs, you should technically win the game. If you if you scored five runs and held teams to under four runs every game you'd win every game on your percent of the time 100 percent. i think i think pat said some shit thinking i was not paying attention and i just started paying attention when he started going into the fucking thing that he was trying to catch me on so uh yeah uh i love it like let's score five and hold our opponents to four um yeah uh brewers or under four you score so if we score more than five and hold them to under four, we still win. What are you sure? Yep. yep. All right. Every time. Uh all right. So Brewers. Well, here's what I'm gonna say about the Brewers right now. We're 18 and 13. I'd like you to go on a three-game win streak, get to 21 and 13, eight games up. I could deal with eight games up for the whole fucking year. I I mean, to be honest. I can deal with five games up for the whole year, which puts me at 80. No. Puts me at like 83 and 78. Something like that. It doesn't matter. So that's 161 games. So we're 80. I don't fucking know. I could go with five or six games up for the whole year. I'd be like. at this pace that we're on right now, we're a 94-win team. So you're a playoff team if if you hold if you hold court at this current situation. But we did start out pretty hot, and we have t- 
tapered off. So, well, so, but like in, in fairness, we should end up with like a hot streak here and there. I, I expect a hot streak coming starting Monday, right? When, once I'm through my bullshit, the Brewers will be through their bullshit too. And like, yeah, be able to like resume. No, I don't want to say like resume a normal life because like that's not what I'm going to do, but that's not the point. So, yeah. No, yeah, I don't, I don't know if normal, normal would be the word. But let's get into this. Brewers are driving. That's what we're getting at. Sorry, Mike, take us through driving fast and turning left, and then take us into the end of the show. Junior MTJ, our boy here at banging on the drum, catches the checkers for the first time in two years. Fifty-four race losing streak ended. We are now fifth place, and we have no idea how the points work, but we're going for the chase for the cup, guaranteed. Yep, we're driving Dang fast it. and turning left right into that Barton chase. And Barton Truex Jr. is going to drive fast and turn left better than anyone else. And we yeah, no, I, for it. I, I was looking at the points, so he's got three hundred. 30, which is the most for anybody with a win, but there's four guys with two wins in front of him. But then there's a guy behind him that hasn't won one yet that has 370 points. But anyways, I think after that win, if he races like he races that we we know and love, um, I think I think we're in the I think we're in the Chase for the cup at the end of the year, but but that's so pretty should be pretty easy. We're there dominating, but yes, that's all we have for the show today. We did go a little long. We did a little bit of a throwback episode. Probably put down a few more beers than we normally do. But yeah, I'm in um, six tonight. How far in are you, Pat? One, two. Three, yeah, six. I think I think I think I rolled with you. I'll, I'll have to check the the twelve pack in the fridge to see how many are left after this. But yeah, um, I think I think six. I think it was a responsible amount. But I will say what I always say: we appreciate the support. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, we love you guys. And then I will let Mike take us home. Yeah. So, and I'll just say, like, we appreciate everybody listening. I, we love that. Like, I get that I'm in some bullshit this week, like some shit that nobody wants to hear about. Or, like, I don't think that's it. true. I think nobody wants to hear that somebody else is like, sad or lost someone like i think i don't think that's true either though you're so i do like i don't think people want to see that i think people for the most part like when people's lives are going well like they don't want to see somebody wallow in their own shit no i think one thing i think that really pulled me towards podcasts and enjoying them is hearing people Granted, usually it was more like lightheartedness 
of shit like how somebody wipes their ass or like things like that that maybe something that i did that was weird that like i'm like oh okay like other people are talking about this like normal but i i don't i don't think it's fully true that people don't want to hear you know everyone's human everyone has stuff happen so and so to be fair like everyone's going to have this happen to them unless Mm -hmm. unless they are the first unless they're my sister right if they're my sister they didn't have this happen to them right but everyone will unless you're the first of your siblings to go and so my sister's young to go personal opinion right so like there's other people that have definitely lost siblings that are young right 20s 30s whatever she's she's objectively yeah she that. was 39 right so like if we get into it she was 39 years old and like my family did not expect her to go um i do think that like being honest and like being forthcoming about where i'm at with this podcast like i can't break down every nfl draft pick this week like you give me a week and like i've been back at work and like shit's been going on maybe i can but like i can barely get my through my day without like having 10 or 15 crying fits so i don't know how i do that without right so i just think so I live across the street from where she worked. So when I drive by there, I think, oh, you know, like I should see her car. And I don't. That's I should be at work today and I'm not. Right. It's just weird stuff that gets me. So with that being said, um, for anybody that's doubting Martin, the Brewers, the Bucks, the Badgers, or the Packers, you can eat our short. Roll it. All them suckers that doubted the Packers can't eat my shows. All them suckers that doubted the Packers can't eat my shows. Eat them. All them suckers that doubted the Packers can't eat my shows. Eat my shows.